Statewide Vancouver as the Canucks fall 2-0 in Philadelphia. So for their first loss of the season, Jeff Patterson along with Blake Price. And we are here to break it all down. And Blake, all that goodwill that the Canucks had built up over the last week in this city with the 8-1 romp over the Oilers on opening night and the 4-3 gritty victory on Saturday. They roll into Philadelphia and boy, did they fall flat against the Flyers. 2-0 is the final, but really that doesn't even begin to tell the story of this hockey game. Thatcher Demko was incredible. For the Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately, he was the only one wearing a Canuck uniform that uh, could be in that conversation on this night. Uh, Yikes. Uh, You hope that there aren't uh, a lot more nights like this for the Vancouver Canucks, but back-to-back games now where they've surrendered 40 or more shots on goal. You know what? I, I beg to differ here, Jeff. I, I think this was a win. I think what we're going to do is we're going to import the two points from Edmonton the other night where the team was badly outplayed as well. They were a little bit more desperate. We're going to move those two points over to here because Thatcher Demko deserves two points for that kind of performance. So th- th- there actually is a great positive takeaway from this game. That's Thatcher Demko, but he probably is on a on a pretty small island unto himself right now with the Canucks. Well, he was ill on opening night, couldn't finish that game. He's probably not feeling great. Uh, about the performance of the guys in front of him, but his job is to stop pucks. That's what he always says, and he did an incredible job of it, particularly in the second period when the shots were 22-3 to in favor of the Philadelphia Flyers. Blake, these are the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Uh, and John Tortorella's teams, they play hard, and we said all along that, you know, early in the season particularly, like I think the Flyers are going to find their level. They're a 2-1 hockey team as well after this victory, but nobody's talking about the Flyers in playoff contention or anything like that. But with John Tortorella, you know, he pushes the buttons early on and he's going to get an effort. And he certainly did. And credit to the Philadelphia Flyers. If you're Rick Tockett, though, you have to be left scratching your head because there was a lot to like in what he had seen in his first two performances uh, from the Vancouver Canucks this season. And then this one, just a complete no-show. And I guess for me, I mean, the trouble began early on the very first shift of the hockey game. Uh, Ian Cole and Tyler Myers, uh, you know, it was just a, a, a disaster defensively. Uh, moments later, it was Owen Tippett walking out of the corner. He had a glorious scoring opportunity, and that's when you knew that Demko was into the hockey game, and the Canucks couldn't get out of the you know, the, the first two minutes for the second straight game. The other night, the Oilers stormed them, and the Canucks couldn't stand up to the pressure there. And here again, a minute and 45 seconds into the hockey game, Flyers are on the scoreboard, and you just kind of got a sense that it was going to be a night of trouble for the Canucks based on what we had seen in the opening minute and a half of the hockey game. Yeah, there there was some sort of letdown. I don't think it's because, oh, Carson Soucy's back. We can all just relax here. <laughs> but, you know, it was almost like that kind of performance, Jeff. You know, when you get a superstar back and you and there's sort of a, a deflation of, oh, so-and-so's back. Again, it's not because Carson Soucy, but it, it kind of looked like that, that everybody was looking around for somebody else to do something. There was miscommunication out there. Um, it, it, there was a fire drill at, at times, uh, both offensively and defensively, even when they had possession at times in the offensive zone, it didn't look clinical. It didn't look like it was very dangerous. They were kept to the outside and they were obviously very predictable because they had 31 shot attempts that were either blocked or that missed the net entirely. And the opposite was true of the Philadelphia Flyers. Almost everything that they put towards the net hit the net, and that's how they got to 42 shots on goal. Yeah, and we praised the Canucks in Edmonton, even though they got outplayed. Guys were selling out and sacrificing the body, and they had 25 block shots the other night. There wasn't anybody top to bottom in this lineup outside of Thatcher Demko that wanted to put himself in the way of pucks, and the Canucks only blocked 10 shots in this hockey game. It kind of looked and felt that way. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, they're a two and one hockey team. It doesn't undo all of the things that uh, they had done on opening night against the Oilers, but it does sort of drag us back to uh, last year. And for all the talk of structure and systems and wall work and everything else, like you do have to ask after the last two games where they have been badly, badly outplayed, you know, what is Rick Tockett seeing? What's he getting? What does he think he's getting from his hockey club? Because I thought there was a response at one nothing. They give up the early goal. They had a couple of opportunities, not many, but they had a couple of chances there. And then they had a power play. And I thought that was a turning point in this hockey game. They had a power play. You're down one nothing. You saw the other night in Edmonton, down early. And it was the power play that tied the game and just kind of allowed the Canucks to exhale. This time around, the power play generated one shot on goal in two minutes and on the night, even at the end there, you know, I, I didn't expect that they were going to somehow miraculously score two goals and tie this game and get it to overtime, but they certainly wanted to break Carter Hart, Hart shutout bid. The Canucks finished the night with six minutes of power play, including the last one where they got Demko out and it's six on four. They had two power play shots on goal in this hockey game. Yeah. That's not going to cut it. Nope. Nope. Yeah. We, we, we said when we watched the second Edmonton Oilers game, you know, great that they got the win. Um, and it was the kind of win that we probably would have been critical of amidst the sea of those kinds of games in the previous couple of years. But we said, you know what? New World Order, the first game was so good. We'll count this as a silo, as a one-off. Unfortunately, they've played three games now, and they've been outshot by a two-to-one margin in both of those games. And now those games outnumber the good games. <laughs> You know, because it's such a small sample size. So it's, you know, I, I think there should be some concern here on the coaching staff that now the bad periods have outweighed the good period, saying nothing about a two-in-one record. Great that you've got the two-in-one record. Great that you played poor in two of the games and you still have a winning record. But my goodness, they've got some stuff to work on here and they have some practice days on this road trip and that's great. But it's not immediate. They've got a game again on, on Thursday. Do you think they practice tomorrow? I, th- this might change the uh, the outlook here. Oh, I, I would not be surprised if Eric Tockett wanted to get his team back on the ice and almost go back to remember his reaction after the loss in Seattle in his second game behind the bench where he talked about boot camp and you know stopping practices and physically moving guys around the ice where he wanted them to be. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if he felt that he needed to go back to that in the early season here to really crack the whip. You know, it's funny. I saw people online uh, somehow suggesting that this hard practice that they had in Philadelphia yesterday was part of the issue here for them not having much energy. Uh, first of all, uh, these people aren't there in Philadelphia. So, and neither am I. And uh, so, uh, you know, you're just going off what's reported. But this is Rick talking. Like, if anybody's been following this team, all of his practices from day one of training camp and through the preseason, this guy doesn't mess around at practices. Like, he talked a a week ago about how they wasted practices right after he came in last year, and that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, it's game three. The practice was before. It was, you know, two games into the season after two wins where they were feeling good about themselves. I I have no time for anybody that's trying to somehow... uh, you know, put this loss at the feet of a difficult practice. These are pros. This is what they do when they're not playing games. They practice. I think we'll just leave it at that. That came off a day off. They had, yeah, they, it, they, they had a morning, no morning skate. This, no. this was a sleep in, not buying it. No, no. Uh, I certainly want to get to the coach's challenge and then we'll get into a number of individual performances as well. And oh, my goodness, there is a lot to, to talk about in this one mm-hmm. as Philly takes down the Canucks two to one and Vancouver, it's first loss of the season, but 
want to mention that Rinkwide is a presentation of Bodog. Well, and for our Bodog line of the day, brought to you by Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. Um, we'll take a look at a showdown tomorrow between Philip Ronick's old Detroit Red Wings and the Vancouver Canucks East, also known as the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Jack Rathbone's Pittsburgh Penguins, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and it's uh, a minus 30 favorite line for the Penguins. So uh, let's go for the plucky wings uh, at home. Hosting the Pens, plus 110 for Roenick's old boys in Detroit. That's your Bodog line of the day. Look, the Flyers are the better team here. They deserve this victory. So I don't want to turn this postgame pod into officiating, but there were certainly two calls in this game that we have to discuss, and let's do so in chronological order. Uh, the penalty shot on Sean Couturier, certainly there's an infraction there. I mean, Elias Pettersson breaks his stick, and Noah Juleson is in the vicinity as well. But I thought Couturier was able to steam forward and still get a scoring chance. I was surprised that that was a penalty shot. And yet I've read that that was the seventh penalty shot around the league already this season in the first week of play. So clearly there's an edict from the league that if something's close, you know, point to center ice and, and put the puck on the dot there. Couturier, I, I thought he got lost on his way to the net there, uh, turned backwards for a while and... Um, you know, nice move, though. I mean, that's obviously tough yeah. for a goaltender to read. What did you think of the call, first of all? Uh, a little bit messy and, you know, not your customary. I mean, I think for most people forever, we got um, sort of coached that you're all alone and somebody comes swinging in from behind, trips, hooks, tugs. And that was sort of like a three-man moving packet felt like more yeah. than it was somebody outright alone. I I didn't have as much problem with that as I did the goaltender interference uh, call, to be quite honest. And look, if Demko makes that save, then people are like, hey, great, you know, there's a turning point. It's a one thing hockey game still, and the Canucks don't have to kill off two full minutes. That was uh, Couturier's chance, and uh, you know, but he made the most of it. And so that padded the lead, and boy, at 2 nothing, even though there was still two periods of hockey left, it just kind of felt like... I, I wouldn't say it was insurmountable just because we know the Canucks have firepower, but the way the game was going uh, just didn't feel like the Canucks were going to muster much of a comeback, and ultimately they didn't. Little did we know at that point that the second period would be as one-sided as it turned out to be. You know, I just go back to moments in a hockey game in that first period when Nick Delorier, you know, steamrolls Elias Pettersson. We all raved about Pettersson bowling over Cody Cece on opening night. Pettersson's going to get attention. He is. That's what Nick Delorier does and has done to keep himself in the National Hockey League. I know uh, there was uh, some shots later on to the TV timeout that Dakota Joshua and some others were jawing with Nick Delorier. He was one of the toughest customers in the league. But I just kind of thought, you know, that summed up EP40's night as well, that uh, he didn't have his good stuff going and then uh, to add insult to injury, uh, gets flattened by Nick Delorier. So uh, Flyers bounced the Canucks around. They did. I mean, that's just the way this hockey game went. And yet through all of that, you know, stays 2-0 into the third period. Uh, good start to the third. Uh, you know, the bar was so low for the Canucks that it didn't take much for them to to look inspired. But the very first shift, uh, Rick Tockett had switched up his lines. He had Elias Pettersson out there with Connor Garland and uh, Sam Lafferty. And in fact, they generated a really good look. Garland had a, a chance there. Uh, Carter Hart made one of his better stops on the night, I thought. And then, what was it, three minutes and 26 seconds into the third, 2 nothing hockey game. Looked like the Canucks were on the scoreboard. Susie with the shot. Besser standing his ground. You know, we've talked about that already early in the season. Brock Besser has his net front presence. And in swoops Connor Garland, the puck himself, uh, sticks, gloves, whatever. All of it winds up in the net. 
and it wasn't to be for the Vancouver Canucks. John Tortorella challenges it. Uh, I find those to be a crapshoot. Like I thought that one was going to count. So like I just never know how to bet on what the war room is thinking. Uh, I thought that was a good goal. Like I just I didn't think Carter Hart was impeded getting from his left to his right. Uh, but Here, clearly- here's what here's what what is odd for me in that whole. Generally, when they overthrow the, the when they change those rulings. Generally, the goaltender is pushing left to right. In, in the case of this, let's recreate this one. He's pushing from his left to his right, and he's got to run into Brock Besser to get the call. What happened here was Brock Besser was in the blue paint of that. We can't, we can't change yeah. that. So he's there. But you're right. Hart sees him there. So he goes on a backward diagonal towards the back, the uh, right post, and it makes no contact with Besser whatsoever. So the question is, is Besser there impeding the most uh, straight route to the puck where, where Carter Hart would have gone if it was a if it was free? And is that the call that's being and I think that is it, is that he was there preventing Carter Hart from taking the most direct route to the uh, to make the save. So Carter Hart has to go on that backward diagonal, made it awkward, made it untimely. And so he's he's uh, gifted the uh, the save ultimately and the call is overturned. But I've never seen it like that. Like that all makes sense if describe if if that's if I'm barking up yep. the right tree, and I'm guessing I am. But generally, you need to make contact with that guy in the crease and and even flop and exacerbate of oh, I tried to get over, and that's usually how those calls go down. I don't recall a non-contact goaltender interference. Generally, you need to make contact with that guy. Well, I mean, we've both been at this so long that you know you've seen ones that you think are complete black and white, and yep. then. They don't go the way you think they're going to go. And then this one, I thought was a bit of a coin toss. Like I was bracing myself for it to be overturned. But again, I didn't see Carter Hart you know, directly impacted. Stahl's in the mix there as well. And Mark Stahl was involved in a, a number of things in that third period as well. But I kind of thought as the Susie shot goes up in the air and there's Garland swooping in, you know, at that point, it's almost bang, bang, puck lies flat. And Garland's there to sort of jam it home. Uh, again, I mean, John Tortorella takes a risk because if he doesn't get the challenge right, the Canucks have a goal and they're on the power play. And, you know, so it takes yeah. some stones in that moment. Uh, but ultimately, you know, Tortorella and the Flyers got the outcome of that play and they got the outcome of the game as they win it by a score of 2 nothing. So the Canucks are now a 2-1 and hockey club. This is the second game of this five-game road trip. They're into Tampa on Thursday, Florida on Saturday, and they wrap things up in Nashville next week. Connor Garland probably would have liked that goal too, by the way, right? He gets two and three all yeah. of a sudden, and he looks a lot better either as a trade chip or as a certified top lighter on this team. I'm sure he would like that individually as well. Well, and I do. I want to get into a number of individuals and their performances in this hockey game, and we'll do that in a sec. But before then, we should mention that uh, Rinkwide is a presentation in part of the fine folks at Applewood. Yeah, the Applewood Auto Group is uh, represented across the Lower Mainland. A great double dose if you go down to the Richmond Auto Mall. You've got Richmond, uh, Nissan, and the Applewood uh, Mitsubishi right next door. Take a car for a test drive like the plug-in hybrid edition of the Mitsubishi Outlander. You'll absolutely fall in love. Uh, find out what it feels like to just pass by the gas stations, regardless of what that number shows. Go take one for a test drive because it's all good at Applewood. Canucks fall 2-0 in Philadelphia. This is Rinkwide Vancouver.
Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Digesting this 2-0 loss in Philadelphia, as we do each and every uh, post-game here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Hopefully they're not 2 nothing losses the rest of the way for the Canucks. They scored 8 on opening night. We all thought, my goodness, look at all this offense. And since then, the offense has gone a little bit quiet, although 4 was certainly enough to get the win in Edmonton the other night. We'll see how they bounce back in Tampa on Thursday. I know that uh, Rick Tockett certainly not thrilled with what he saw uh, on the ice at Wells Fargo. Uh, the quotes coming out, uh, this is uh, unbelievable. I can't eat. This is a quote from Rick Tockett. First quote, I can't even pick one guy that played well except Demko. He was unreal. Goes on to say, we've got some guys, and and then he sighs, a deep sigh. Ah, they've got to pick it up. Uh, Rick Tockett, uh, none too pleased. And, and I think if this was, again, a standalone game, Jeff, I think he's probably not as exasperated. I think that's a carryover from the fact they were outshot 2-1 to one the other night in Edmonton as well. Well, all right, like right, let's jump into it, because uh, he wasn't happy with a lot of the players, uh, fans certainly uh, throwing darts at Tyler Myers, and we know that uh, he's you know been the, been the whipping boy in this market, and the hope was that being paired with Ian Cole, a couple of veteran guys would just settle Tyler Myers down, but uh, my goodness, this just looked like game film from so many nights the last couple of seasons for Tyler Myers, it was a struggle. Uh, the puck was not his friend. Two minor penalties to put the Flyers on power plays. They didn't convert on, ultimately, but still uh, way too many trips to the penalty box last year for Tyler Myers. And uh, again, and we've said this from the outset, and I know that they won the first two hockey games, but the puzzle pieces just don't fit with the way that this defense core uh, is set up right now. And that was even with getting Carson Soucy back. Soucy makes his season debut um, you know, he was a bit of a wash for me, although early in the hockey game, there were some struggles, uh, there for him, like there were for everybody, but, uh, you know, Noah Juleson just doesn't look the part of a national hockey leaguer. And so I know the Canucks made this trade earlier today and we'll see if Mark Friedman gets an opportunity at some point as a right sider. Uh, but my goodness, like, you know, we, we all wondered, and I think we worried that, if you're going to play Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick together, it's going to expose other areas of that defense. And certainly that was on full display in this one. Yeah. It's uh they've got to figure out something that works um, beyond just putting Ronick and, and Hughes together. Um, and I, this is normally where we come in handy here as, as the guys on the sidelines with all full of ideas. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't have a good enough handle yet on what Susie's going to bring to the table in this group. And, I like Ian Cole, but I don't know what necessarily complements Ian Cole and if the Vancouver Canucks have that guy. Um, I, I think what I'm going to guess is Rick Tockett's um, MO going into the next one is that I'm going to guess he separates Ronick and, and, and Quinn Hughes. I think he might be forced to. And um, we saw glimpses of, well, we, we saw a little bit of a blender in the third period in particular. But I, I think he's got to find a different way to construct this, even though there's maybe not necessarily a, an obvious choice here if uh, Tyre Fires over there is going to be a, uh, a constant here. And 
Um, you know, we, we, we thought that he was maybe on his way out when that bonus was paid, that maybe there was a deal. And, you know, we, we gave him the benefit of the doubt that he's a National Hockey League player, despite the fact that he's got a, a cap it that's too too high. Um, games like tonight make you question whether or not we were right on that, that, you know, at, at $3 million, would you be okay with, with Tyler Myers? I mean, I don't know. Like that, that was not a, not a good performance at all from Tyler Myers. No. And this is a veteran guy that is, I mean, he's been around the block so many times. He has to know that a home opener for the Philadelphia Flyers, they're going to come storming out of the gates and, and just, he couldn't handle the pressure and he wasn't alone and the Flyers give them credit. I mean, they pressured the Canucks up ice. And uh, the Canucks just withered in their own zone in the early going. And ultimately, uh, there were a few chances, as we said. And then, uh, you know, the Canucks fall behind the eight ball. Uh, you know, and, and and so, yeah, you look to your veterans to be able to withstand that and just sort of settle things down when you're the road team. These were the Flyers. Like, they go into Tampa on Thursday. And then Florida. And we know what Florida did last year and the way that Florida can score goals and the, the depth that they can come at you with. So, yeah, really going to be interesting to see what the Vancouver Canucks do uh, you know, and I, I do wonder if uh, Akito Hirose gets a look and not that he's going to solve all their problems, but when we just talk about a guy that has shown in his brief time in the NHL uh, an ability to process the game and sort of slow things down, uh, you know, maybe he handles pressure better than some of the guys that they've got in there. But, you know, Tyler Myers probably, like, when you've got Noah Juleson in your lineup, I don't think Tyler Myers is sitting down or coming out of your lineup. It's just a question of, uh, how much can you lean on him? Where can you play him safely? And when you don't have last change, you can't shelter these kind of guys, you know, at even strength in this hockey game. And the numbers didn't flatter really anybody on the Canucks, although JT Miller, the Canucks outshot Philadelphia 5-3 at even strength with Miller on the ice in this game. But, you know, the shots were 13-5 to for the Flyers with Tyler Myers out there, 10-4 to when Carson Soucy was out there. Uh, this had to go down to the books as one of the, the poorest games for Elias Pettersson, just in terms of underlying numbers. The shots were 16 to five for the Flyers with EP40 on the ice and even strength. Now they only scored the, the one goal, but my goodness, I mean, we had been talking this guy up about, you know, yep. the way that he had played this two way performance and 200 foot game. And it's there again, just as it was on opening night, it's just one game. Elias Pettersson's a better player than he showed in this one, but, uh, yeah, the numbers uh, certainly tell a story here that he spent a lot of his night in his own end defending. So, uh, it didn't yeah. help too that he got cut down by Tyler Myers with his oh, shot. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, did you say it was a it was a funny sequence because not only is he in absolute pain as he goes to the bench, I think he's also pissed. Yeah, that 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 play disintegrated where how it did because he was he was as frustrated as he was in pain when he skated off to the bench. Just one shot on goal for Elias Pettersson in this hockey game. Yeah. He had five attempts, but only one on goal. So, uh, yeah, nothing was happening for him and nobody else. And you know, you can't blame Rick Tockett uh, going to the blender. But, you know, you're trying to get a read on what the coach is thinking and reading between the lines when he says there's guys that have to pick it up. Like, Anthony Bovillier didn't have a shift in the first half of the third period. I wondered if he was going to get parked the entire third period. It has been just silent around Anthony Bovillier right from day one of training camp and through the preseason and now three games in and just not a whole lot happening for him. Andre Kuzmenko got some power play time in the third, but other than that, he didn't play an awful lot. And even a guy like Dakota Joshua, who has, for the most part, been a Rick Tockett favorite. Um, you know, I guess the coach sees that they're down in a hockey game and he's not likely to generate a lot of offense in the comeback effort, but he is playing Sam Lafferty. He's giving other guys opportunities. And it seemed like Dakota Joshua 
was, uh, you know, on the wrong end of uh, the stick as, as far as the coach and ice time was concerned in this hockey game. The, uh, and again, this is not a reason for the loss by any stretch. I, I do wonder, um, and it's a good trade, Konechny for, and, La- and Lafferty yep. both off for as long as they, you generally take that trade. I take that trade in the first period and in the second period. Gosh, the way Lafferty's been playing, the way his speed, like he might have been a useful tool in that middle 12 minutes of the third period. Yeah. And, you know, like the code, whatever, he knows yeah. he can't, especially when Carter Hart's working on a shutout. I think that was sort of lost in all of it. You, you, nobody wants to be putting a puck in the net way after a whistle. But when the goalie hadn't allowed a, a goal in the hockey game, like, yeah, guys are going to take offense to it. And so you're right. That's a decent trade off if Travis Konechny gets the, the misconduct as well. And I get where Noah Juleson is coming from after PDG gets wiped out by Stahl, but you also have to read situations. And nothing's going right for the Canucks. They're getting a power play, and Noah Juleson takes it upon himself to, you know, extract some vengeance on Stahl for the hit on, on Phil Giuseppe. If he doesn't, people are saying, oh, this team's soft and there was no response. That's he right. does, and they take a penalty. So sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Although I think the way this game was going, I would have sided with, you know, take the number, see what happens, and give yourself a chance to get on the scoreboard. There was still enough time midway through the third period. If the power play scores there, it's game on. Unfortunately, uh, like just about everything else for the Canucks, power play wasn't scoring. Nothing was going right. It was a good wake-up call um, because you don't want this team to get back-to-back wins like they did in Edmonton and think, oh, that's good enough to get victory. Um, they got a little smell and salt. Um, they, you know, <laughs> they should know by now. After back-to-back performances like that, they got away with one in Edmonton. They should now know that is not going to work. And uh, I would suspect that we see a, a profoundly different effort in two nights' time. But um, it's uh, it's a little bit concerning. It's it's a little bit concerning to see them so well played now in back to back games and out on the road. It's not going to get necessarily any easier. Again, this we've talked about this road trip has got its uh, perks in that it's uh, there's time off in between in between stops, so they're not going to be fully run into the ground. But there's tough teams. And you just get more tired as long as a road trip goes. You you get sort of fed up with being on the road. And it is a long road trip in that regard. So they've got to pull up their socks here a little bit. And it's not like this is a long road trip in the middle of January, in the middle of a tough season. You just started. You, you got to find some gas in the tank and find a way to get back to the intensity and the and the chemistry that you had on opening night. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, it was after game three last year in Washington, after they had lost in Philadelphia, uh, that they had the closed-door meeting. I, I don't think they're going to have a closed-door meeting and players-only meeting at 2-1 and one on the season, but no, a few more of these. And, you know, that's the problem, is now you're going to Tampa, and not that they, like I'll give the Canucks every opportunity. You don't want to have to have a bunch of bounce-back games, certainly early in the season. I'll give them every opportunity, but if they lose in regulation in Tampa you know, they're two and two, all of a sudden, then all of the goodwill that they had built up with the wins over the Edmonton Oilers sort of feels like it has been been given right back. And now I think there are a lot of people that think this is a team that's going to be struggling to, you know, make the playoffs that the best case scenario is get off to a decent start and stay with the playoff pack and sort of let the the dust settle and, and see where things shake out at the end. But yeah, I mean, there was uh, some vibes in this market that we haven't felt in a while, and that was after just two victories. So if they hand them right back four games into the season, it'll kind of feel like 
you know, nice start and then just big old stubbing of the toe. So again, let's see what happens. They play the games and I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't beat Tampa, but we know what the bolts are and, and what they're all about. And that will not be an easy game. And this league's so heavily scouted now too, that teams already will recognize like, look at the way the Oilers jumped on the Canucks. Look at the way the Flyers jumped on the Canucks. I would expect that Tampa would try to come out and take the game to the Vancouver Canucks and see if uh, if the Canucks are ready to respond on Thursday night. You know who's always ready to respond is Jason Hominick. And what I love about Jason Hominick is you call him, he answers the phone. Like he doesn't have this massive staff. Like you need help with the mortgage, uh, you know, in the mortgage game, Jason Hominick is your guy. You may have a mortgage that's uh, nearing its renewal date. There'd be a reason to call Jason Hominick or in these times where you're wondering how do I get that extra little bit of cash you can find a way to extract some value out of your home and turn turn that into cold hard cash as well there's uh, one way to get a hold of said guy that you're talking about there Jeff go to jason.mortgage yeah one of the great websites too there's no.com yeah. there's no.ca it no. says it all jason.mortgage flyers 2 canucks nothing We've still got our three stars of the hockey game, the stat that stands out, and a bunch of other things that we'll get into as we break it all down. Canucks' first loss of the season in the city of brotherly love. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, let's get into the three stars from this hockey game. Not an offensive explosion, but uh, there were some candidates, certainly. And I guess anytime a goalie gets a, a shutout in the National Hockey League, you got to look his direction. But uh, we'll get to Carter Hart in a sec, even in a losing cause. Uh, I mean, this was I, I, probably one of Thatcher Demko's three best regular season performances in a Vancouver Connect uniform. Like, he was incredible for a guy that hadn't seen game action since uh, he left the game last Wednesday. So it had been almost a, a full week between seeing live ammunition, and he was into it early. Uh, he was into it often, obviously, that second period when the Canucks get outshot 22-3. to uh, For my money, Thatcher Demko, the first star of this hockey game. I don't think there's anybody that is going to quibble with you. Uh, not even the Philadelphia Flyers should really quibble with no. you as well. He was really that good. And, and highlight reel to the... The layback, I mean, it was probably too little too late in the third period, though, uh, when he reaches back with the left oh. arm and seals it up against. Because not only does your arm have to be there, but that puck was along the ice, I believe. you got to seal it with the ground unless the uh, the puck squirts underneath it. Uh, unbelievable goaltending there from Thatcher Demko and just one of many that kept it uh, close for the uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. The shots were 19 to 1 at one point in the second period oh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, it was absolutely a, a firing line for Thatcher Demko when he was up to it. He stopped uh, all 22 that he faced in that second. Uh, it's funny. And again, this is why we do our own rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection because Wayne Fish of the Allentown Morning Call, oh, he had three... Him. He had three flyers, clean sweep for the home team. He had Carter Hart, Sean Couturier, and Igor Zamula, who got his uh, first goal in the National Hockey League. Uh, I've got, uh, I'll go with Hart as second star. Again, 25 saves. Wasn't terribly busy, but the Canucks uh, had 11 of their 25 in the third. They had 
a couple of power play opportunities and uh, he had to make some saves and obviously helped out by the the coach's challenge as well but uh, for Carter Hart you know I think a lot of the same things that uh, there's probably higher expectations in Vancouver than there are in Philadelphia overall but if the Flyers are going to be anything if they are going to you know stay within striking distance of a playoff pack in the Eastern Conference they're going to need a huge season from Carter Hart I think he means that much to that team uh the way that that I mean the Canucks have far better top-end skill players than the Philadelphia Flyers do right now. But a uh, good start for Carter Hart to uh, post a shutout in the team's home opener. Uh, absolutely. And it's hard to disagree with uh, Sean Couturier as yeah. well. I mean, what a story he was today as well. But yeah, I, I'm not a huge Carter Hart fan. I think it's um, the consistency there is a, is a little bit um, iffy for me. But it, you know he was he was very solid today and allowed his team to. to I mean that was that was a pretty easy shutout. Yep. Um, but uh, but he certainly deserved the win, nevertheless. Yeah, and I'll go with Couture as the third star. There's no way I'm going to find a, a Vancouver Canucks skater that works his way into the stars in this one. There'll be lots of nights uh, where first we have... goal in two years, and he was yeah. he, they didn't even think he was going to play tonight. He was getting a little bit a little bit of a nick that prevented him from being a practice yesterday. So good on Sean Couture. Yeah, so there you go. Thatcher Demko, Carter Hart, and Sean Couturier, the three stars, the rink-wide Vancouver three stars in this hockey game. We'll get to the stat that stands out in a second, but we should take a moment here to mention our friends at AG1. And the best way to take care of yourself is to make sure you've got a baseline. And that's the great thing about AG1. Have it in a morning shake, shoot it with some juice, however you want to take it in. AG1, just make sure you reach that baseline of nutritional supplementation and uh, it'll uh, have things running uh, exactly as they should inside yourself as well. So uh, give it a try. Go to drinkag1.com slash Vancouver and get your special offer. Yeah, I think as I look through the the box score here from this hockey game, and again, I mean, totally one-sided for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, in a lot of the key statistics, although it is funny in a game like this one, when you look at the final underlying numbers, that in terms of Corsi 4, the Canucks actually out-attempted out the Flyers 43-42 at even strength. So uh, the Canucks with a, a team Corsi of 50.5%, so just slightly uh, in Vancouver's favor. But of course, uh, when you look at when the game was on the line, we talked about uh, you know scoring chances, Flyers out chance the Canucks 27-21. The high dangers were 15-8, to so almost a 2-1 to margin there. And the expected goals, uh, more than a 2-1 to margin in terms of uh, the golden opportunities that the Philadelphia Flyers had. So again, just speaks to the job that Thatcher Demko did. Yeah, I guess the stat that stands out for me is that uh, Thatcher Demko with a 40-save performance on this night. So uh, that's a good sign for the Vancouver Canucks, but they can't be leaning on their goaltender because we've been told through this offseason that they thought they had addressed uh, some of the defensive deficiencies. They thought they had you know, brought in reinforcements. They've got their coach, when I say they, the management group, uh, they've got their guy who is supposed to be all about structure and systems and everything else. And that seems to have gone out the window here right now. So uh, fascinating, you know, really. I mean, what a wild week for the Vancouver Canucks uh, to score eight on opening night and then to get outplayed, but find a way to win on Saturday and then have this one. So uh, um, I wouldn't want to be on that charter <laughs> looking Adam Foot, <laughs> Rick Tockett, I don't know if Gonchar's on the trip, but foot and, and talk it in particular. That's enough right there. That's enough right there. You're going to look them in the eyes as you pass by their seat? Like, I would be looking at the floor because 
Uh, I think those two guys are going to keep this team uh, pretty honest here, at least in the early going. Those hard line messages can, of course, lose their appeal if you have to go to that well too often. Um, but this might be an, a nice, um, soft way to do it. It's early in the season. You know, like nothing is really lost here. I still have a winning record uh, at this early junction. But my goodness, you can't see these two back-to-back efforts and say, no, everything is trending in the right direction. It might be time to to raise the voice just a little bit at the very least, Josh. Well, and the other thing too is like they they're so capped out as a team that they like they don't have options. They've got twelve no. healthy forwards right now. So even if it was to try to send a message and sit somebody down, Rick Tuckett really has no options. He's got to go with the same twelve forwards. Now, sometimes the thinking there is give the same twelve forwards every opportunity to bounce back and you know show that they are better than they showed in this hockey game. Uh, you know, they do have an extra healthy defenseman right now, and uh, we'll see what their plan is for Mark Friedman. But by no means is Mark Friedman, you know, no. coming to the rescue of the Vancouver Canucks. But, you know, Noah Juleson's played the first three games and hasn't played particularly well. So I think the door is open there uh, for Mark Friedman to get a look at the very least. But, you know, this is a guy that's been up and down, Um uh, you know, hasn't been a regular in the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup, and clearly the Penguins were ready to move off a 27-year-old veteran that's kind of been a, a tweener his entire career. So, uh, again, again, just lower the expectations. I know people think, oh, they made a trade for a right-shot defenseman. Uh, I think that it remains a work in progress to still find the right right-side defenseman in the long haul or over the long haul for the Vancouver Canucks. Do you know what this team needs? They need a 28-year-old edition of Chris Tanev. And and I know, in, you know, people here are like, well, of course they do. You know, it's not like Chris Tanev is a household name across the league. But that kind of a player that just calms things down and makes the smart first play to get the team moving in the right direction, obviously can defend as well. Like, I know that's asking a lot from our perspective, but league-wide, probably, I, I don't know that that necessarily is a huge, huge ask to get that sort of middling, um, and, and in the terms of the league, he is a middling kind of a right-shot defenseman, even though I think people here, of course, think the world of him right. because he's just uh, the perfect fit and always has been the perfect fit. But how good would a 28-year-old Chris Tanev look on that right side? To me, that allows pieces to fall into place if you get a guy like that. Well, things fell tonight, for sure, for the <laughs> yes. Vancouver Canucks. Yes. That was a thud that you heard uh, all the way from Philadelphia. So, uh, yeah, they uh, were good on opening night. Not as good, but uh, still like the result in Edmonton on Saturday. But uh, not a whole lot to uh, write home about other than Thatcher Demko's performance. And so already game number four becomes a bounce back game for the Vancouver mm-hmm. Canucks on Thursday in Tampa. And we will be back after that one as we will all season long here on Rinkwide Vancouver, breaking down Canucks hockey for you, uh, you know, win or loss. And uh, there's going to be some of both uh, the rest of the way. This is uh, again, I don't think, Opening night should change your perspective of this hockey club, and I don't think a game like this one ultimately should uh, change the way you think about the Vancouver Canucks. They're an inconsistent bunch, an imperfect hockey club, certainly, and we saw a lot of their warts on full display uh, at Wells Fargo Center on Tuesday night. Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog. We thank them for their support to all season long. For Blake, this is Jeff. Thanks so much for listening. We'll do it again on Thursday after the game.